Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to the Driving Mall Show here with you every Tuesday at 8pm. Well, I say that. But uh, we've been a bit hit and miss over the uh, last couple of weeks. I've been uh, rushing around uh, doing my kind of, well, I'm sure you can't really call it a day job, but my side hustle of uh, making, um, what are they called, wooden toy stables. And uh, uh, I've gone blank again. Um, yes, wooden toy stables and farm buildings is what uh, I kind of do on the side, folks. And so that is um, what uh, I have been up to. I'll throw a uh, link in the live chat so you guys have a look if you want to have a look um, at what I do um, on that uh, uh, side of things. So uh, anyway, what are we up to this weekend or this week? Well, it, look, it's we're easing back into things, aren't we? As I say, I've been a bit in and out of it recently, so I'm easing myself back in. Uh, but also we're easing into the uh, men's uh, November window uh, games as well. I will have a chat about uh, the All Blacks, oh, Japan versus the All Blacks, and also Scotland um, versus the uh, Wallabies uh, will also uh, kind of news points as well, a whole bunch of injuries um, and uh, that kind of um, stuff going on. Uh, as uh, Simon points out in the live chat, there's also Rugby World Cup qualifying uh, as well for the what used to be called the Repechage, but whatever it's called nowadays, uh, but uh, for the final place uh, to go to the Rugby World Cup. So we'll have a bit of a chat about that, remind you who the teams are um, that are involved in that. Uh, and uh, who uh, might take that place. The reviewer reckons uh, Portugal might take the spot, which is uh, an interesting shout. But as I say, we'll have a quick chat about those teams that are involved in that as well. Hopefully, um, I will be joined by a couple of guests um, this evening, and you won't just be my monotonous voice throughout it all, um, because I'll be honest with you, I've not seen much, or I haven't seen any, of the Women's Rugby World Cup. But um, obviously, we will have to have a quick chat about those games as well that uh, happened on the uh, weekend. So uh, some of the so let's just um, get into uh, the games, I guess, to start off with. Uh, look, the All, um, Japan versus the All Blacks, definitely an enjoyable game. I enjoyed watching that one um, on Saturday. It must have been lot, not, lot, not watched a lot of rugby um, recently, so it was nice to get back in to, um, to that. I've got a funny feeling 
um, with games coming up over the next, uh, well, this coming weekend, um, with games that I would like to to catch being played at uh, funny times like uh, two o'clock in the morning. Um, that uh, there'll be games that uh, I would like to um, watch this uh, coming weekend. So yes, up in the uh, middle of the night um, to watch um, some of those games. Uh, I think coming up. Um, the uh, but as I say I enjoyed it. This one uh, look, Japan were always in this one. Uh, got within four points. Um, but at the end of the day, uh, did we ever feel like Japan was actually going to win it? I don't really think so. Look, I mean, the All Blacks um, led the whole way through this game um, once uh, um, Brady Retallick uh, scored that opening try on, what was it, uh, five minutes or so? Sorry, 11 minutes in uh, that he scored his try uh, and the All Blacks led from there on. Sure, um, with um, just uh, two minutes to go, Japan were within four points and could have snuck it and uh, won the game. Don't get me wrong, uh, but it never really felt like uh, they were really going to do so. There was obviously the red card to Brody Retallick in there. Uh, and since there is also uh, a yellow card in the um, Scotland versus the uh, Wallabies game, um, perhaps we'll talk about clear outs at Rucks uh, in a second. Later on, we'll talk about both of those uh, two together in that one. Looking at the stats, look, um, the All Blacks, 61% possession, 54% point ter territory, only giving up six penalties compared to the 13 by Japan. To have only won this game by seven points, you've got to say they should have done better. So, yes, the All Blacks not firing on all cylinders um, by uh, any stretch um, of the imagination. On this one, only 78% tackle rate by the All Blacks. Not very good, uh, let's be honest. That is a whole bunch of um, missed tackles, 28 they're 32 by the Japanese who had to make more tackles. So a better percentage, but missed more tackles. So lots of, uh, yeah, quite a lot of, uh, so that's why I guess part of what makes this um, a fun game. 19 offloads by the um, All Blacks, 10 by Japan. So free-flowing, uh, enjoyable game to watch. Um, not something that we'll talk about, not something that will be the same for the following game. Later. But um so yeah, interesting. Uh, so 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 say so, yeah, free flowing game. I enjoyed it. I had fun. Look, this is not a uh, first choice uh, lineup by the um, All Blacks, and this is after Japan has already had three games, or at least um, the sort of Japan fifteen has had three games against uh, Australia A. So they've had had warm ups coming. This one relatively hot. The All Blacks uh, having had a few weeks off and obviously um, missing players uh, as well. Uh, in this one, look, I mean, we had players like um, RTS and Braden Nennell uh, in the centres, clearly not a first choice centre uh, combination there. Finley Christie getting a start, doing well, but again, not a first choice uh, player uh, there uh, in that one either. So lots of players in this one who were not, um, uh, who were not, as I say, uh, first choice All Blacks. Not on the right, so yeah, it says 40% first choice um, All Blacks in this one. So, um, but a cracking game by. Uh, I mean, by Japan to keep that side to four points, uh, to within four points um, during the whole of this. Uh, this was clearly one of the games that they really had targeted for this November. Um, and you can see that with uh, with how they played. Um, a lot of um, plaudits for Hemino. Uh, obviously, he scored a try, but he also, to me, uh, was pretty soft on one of the tackles, which allowed on the All Blacks tries. So, um, uh, as I say, a lot of plaudits for him in this one. Um, but uh, I think uh, some rose-tinted glasses on some of that stuff. Well, that's my opinion. Um, what do you think, Mr. Stephen Harris?
Oh no, Stephen Harris's uh, connect um, thing isn't plugged in properly, so I'm getting crackling and no and no sound from him. Yep, lots of crackling and uh, no sound from Stephen. So uh, uh, we'll, we might have to give up on the headphones. And uh, no, we've still got no sound. So Steve, you're going to have to work through your technical issues um, and uh, log in perhaps 10 minutes beforehand so we can do technical checks before a show. Um, <laughs> because the pro professionals that we are. Um, so uh, look, I mean, uh, obviously Stephen Perifetta had a decent game. It's, uh, had got, uh, got, got, some, got some game time. Um, at some um, back there um, as well. What the hell was Foster saying? Oh, Britannic's hit was innocuous. Yes. What's um, a uh, what? What a load of um, rubbish with that one. Um, Simon says, yeah, Stephen, Stephen, uh, Steve could uh, learn sign language, um, but I would learn sign language too, and it wouldn't be very good for our podcast listeners, would it, Steve? Hopefully, you can hear me. Yes, I can. Well, there you go. <laughs> Got the, things um, up and running. Do do apologise, folks. Always a uh, pleasure to be back on the show after a uh, a couple of weeks off. Paul. So, what's what's been your um? Uh, your, well, well, actually, we'll, we'll we'll get back to the game in a moment, folks. What was your rugby league weekend like, um, Stephen? Are you still um, commentating on the uh, Armed Forces Rugby World Cup, or is that over now? No, we the Defence Forces final was uh, played last Tuesday, and that was between New Zealand and France, and uh, and it was a very very tight. Uh, battle, a little bit like the 2011 World Cup, there was only one point in it, but on this occasion, the uh, it was the French that came away with the victory by nine points to eight. Very, very tight game uh, it was. Unfortunately for the New Zealand team, we'd been so impressive through the tournament. Uh, just basically got um, roped into playing the French French style of game and uh, and a, a penalty with about two minutes to go from the French gave them the, a well, what I've got to say was a well-deserved victory. They were very very good up front and you know maybe a uh, a bit of an insight to what we might see coming up this weekend in the uh women's rugby world cup semi-final yeah we'll get back to that one uh we'll come back to that so with the women's rugby world cup later um me to me i, I was at the uh waikataway mp show this weekend folks so watched uh, watched the uh, the uh, the all Blacks game in a hotel room um didn't make enough sales so go back to that first comment i've, I've got in the live chat um and uh, click on that and go buy some uh, toy stables for christmas for your kids uh, that's what's uh, over on over on choice.co.nz forward slash store forward slash Kia dash play. There we go. Um, that's my little sales pitch for you. Um, advertising brought to you by uh, <laughs> Kia play um, on that one. Uh, so your thoughts of, of, on the All Blacks game then between Japan uh, and uh, I'll say and the All Blacks. Um, your, your, your kind of uh, hot takes. Do you enjoy the game? Yeah. Let, let me first first say, I, listen, I was glad it was a contest and um it also gives you a bit of an. It also gives you a little bit of an insight to uh, to how far the how far Japanese rugby has has come along. And obviously, they were very prep, prep for this match. And admittedly, they didn't have a lot of preparation, a little bit like the All Blacks did. But listen, I was mightily impressed, especially with the way that they um, stayed in the fight. And um, and boy, right at the end there, they they could have won it with a little bit of luck. Yeah, look, it's one of those ones I think I, I said, yeah, the, the All Blacks, whilst, whilst it was a contest and Japan were in it, you never felt like they were going to win it. Um, they were just uh, kind of just held at bay um, throughout it uh, on, on that one. So, um, but go on, let's, let's uh, well, I'll say we'll come back to the Brody Retallick red card um, after we had a quick chat about Scotland versus um, the Wallabies. Um, I've, only, I've seen highlights of this one, Steve, the extended highlights. Have you seen, did you, did you watch this whole game? Of the uh, Scotland Australia game, 
Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. I actually saw. I actually saw most of the game. I thought um, Jess Scotland played very, very well. Listen, the conditions weren't weren't the best, but I'm saying that I thought the the Scottish put a, a lot of pressure on Australia. I think Australia probably just a little bit guilty of trying to play uh, too much rugby in those conditions, just just making mistakes. And um, listen, it's probably not often the, the Scots will score two two tries to one and still lose a game, but that's exactly what happened. But I must admit. Um, uh, both their both their tries were pretty pretty well well taken. There was a very good their, their first try, very good sort of um, ball ball movement and um, and uh, well finished off. And of course Blair Kinghorn, who was the the hero for Scotland right up until probably that final kick. Paul taking a really good opportunity and showing a bit of pace, a good shall I say a good bit of uh, a toe to outflank the Australian defence after they uh, turned the ball over, and that was from an attacking move as well. Yeah, look, okay, that was yeah, Foley dropping that ball and then uh, King Home uh, kicking it through and uh, going on to score. So two players who I think have taken um, or have been a, a key focus of this game. I'll be honest, I, I know that um, you're, you're worried for the uh, for the All Blacks um, when they uh, the rest is tour and obviously playing Scotland. To me, I didn't see much out of from this game that would really uh, worry many teams from either either side. To be honest, um, the I. Uh, one of the criticisms from this of Foley was he didn't do much apart from kicking his goals, um, and yet the difference between his two between his two teams is that he kicked his goals and uh, well, King Home didn't uh, missed hit missed two of his, uh, and so uh, it's, it's funny how Foley gets criticised for kicking his for, for only kicking goals, whereas the, the criticism for Scotland is you've got to kick you've got to pick a goal kicker. Um, so it's funny, isn't it, that uh, how these players in some cases can't win, um, Stephen. Oh, very much so. And listen, I think both teams, from what I believe, this, this, the Scottish had a few players missing, and we know that the Australians have got a few players missing at the moment. So maybe the maybe the quality probably wasn't where it, where it should be. But listen, I, I was quite pleased for the Australians that they got off on got their tour off on the right note. And boy, they they they're gonna they needed a good start given where they're heading to this this weekend, um, Scotland. Yeah, I probably tend to agree a little bit. They, they were. Oh, what's, I'm just trying to find a good word for it. Listen, they were they were pretty solid, and they were, and 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 they played with a played with a with a lot of heart. But yeah, you're you're probably dead right. I don't know if there's a lot to to trouble the All Blacks there. But listen, that's they've got a game under their belt now, so they should be better come next weekend. It'll be interesting to see though if um, Gregor Townsend does make some changes and does bring the likes of a a, a Finn. Russell back into that uh, into that important uh, pivotal position. Now, Finn Russell's not even in the squad this year. Uh, he's, he's, wow. he's decided that, uh, that, that that he cannot get on with him um, and, for, for 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 whatever reason. So, um, he's, he's clearly skillful enough, but it's just he doesn't uh, he just can't manage him within the squad properly, uh, oh. and so that's why it's all falling falling apart there. I was going to say, so I see Stuart Hogg was running around for his club. So this is outside oh, no. the international window. So, so yes, yeah, so players like Hogg and Finn Russell wouldn't have been available for this game anyway, uh, playing in England and France, um, respectively. So uh, they weren't available for this game, but even so, Finn Russell will not be taking part in the whole, the whole um, November window, barring, um, a, a, well, a big, a big, a big turn, turnaround. The, but, but Hogg will be. I, I just thought Scotland was, their, their decision-making was, was, was pretty poor. Uh, look, they, they had a, the opportunity straight in front of the posts, um, to uh, to score to to take three points didn't and then got held up over the line. Uh, their forwards just bashed away. 
there was opportunities on the blind side where they had uh, like four on two um, against, uh, including Tank McDermott being one of those defenders. Now, uh, nothing against Tank McDermott as a player. He's a fantastic, he's a wonderful player, but he's a scrum half. And so he's, he's someone you can run over. Um, so to my mind, uh, yeah, some some pretty poor game management by the Scotland by Scotland early on. Um, and when this game comes down to a one-point win, that poor game management, add in a, um, or, or decision-making, add in the you're missing two kicks. Um, and you can either look, you can look at this glass half full, um, a couple of decisions the other way, a couple of kicks, and this is a comfortable win for Scotland, or you're half empty, as in, boy, oh boy, this is a game you let slip um, and you shouldn't be uh, messing around at this level uh, uh, like that. You should, be, you should be having to sort out decision-making like um, and those sort of things at this level when you've got Ali Price, who is a British and Irish Lions um, number nine in there, who should be, was he not being communicated to properly to let him know where the play was? Uh, or what was it? But anyway, so uh, yeah, you, you, I think there's two ways of looking at Scotland from this. From Australia, as you say, injuries, but then again, every team has to deal with that. And look, they got over the line. And I think uh, as they just tick the box, we've got the win, move on. Uh, we can play better rugby another time, I think, just for, 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 from them. But um, yellow card in this one for a clear out. So apparently it was a yellow card, not a red card. Because he hit him with his bicep first rather than his shoulder, which is the first time I've heard that in any ruling from anywhere by Luke Pierce. So, mate, I'm afraid. Uh, sorry, but I don't. I don't know where you've where you've, where you've dragged that one up from. Um, because I don't think it makes it any less. I, well, it's, it's less a force if it's with the bicep. Well, maybe slightly, but um, I don't think you can. Uh, I don't think it's significantly less force because of that. So I can't see where he's, how he managed to downgrade it from red to yellow. Um, I, was, I was about to say, Paul, I might even put the, a, a little bit of a monologue of, of, of both the both the incidents up on our website. And, um, well, you can tell us, if you're tuning in, you can tell us what you actually thought, because to me, I thought they were both both reds every day of the week, twice on twice on Sunday, while uh, Brody's um, um, clean-out probably... Well, there was more shoulder to shoulder to head. I've got to say that the Scottish replacement player, Young, I think his name was, came from a long way back. He certainly was coming off the long run when he came in and cleaned McDermott out. And to be honest, I thought there was just a little bit of luck that could have been way more serious. Yeah, absolutely. And the I mean, Gregor Townsend saying that look, we uh, it's a race to be in there first because it's because we're allowing the jackal and therefore players aren't going to slow down. Well, if you're not going to slow down, you're going to get sent off. Um, so <laughs> you need to understand that if you're not there first, you've lost and you've got to be more careful getting in. Simple as that. Yep. Um, I, was, I was also about to say, Paul, at, 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 at no stage when we were growing up as as, as kids, you know, that coming through the grains, we were ever told to fly in like like a scud missile, <laughs> whether it whether it be to, to tackles or, or or in fact even if you were the the ball carrier, it was about bracing yourself, protecting protecting yourself, and you know the same the same rules apply now. Well, yes and no. The same rules are or the same laws are there in place. They just not apply. And that's that, that's the uh, that's kind of the difference here. People will say, "Oh, we need a law change to stop this and stop all the head contacts." We don't need a law change. We need two laws to be properly enforced. One, you have to keep your feet at the ruck. Players don't. Two, 
um, you're not allowed to have your shoulders beneath below your um, below your hips at the ruck. So that would first off make it much harder to jackal. So you'd have to get your, your hips much lower. Um, and we wouldn't have so much of a, of a pile of bodies. We'd have more of a, an actual ruck if players stayed on their feet. So if we enforce those two things, now uh, it would require an entirely different style of play from a lot of players. <laughs> Let's um, be honest. So um, the so those to, to me, if you enforce those two things, it would change the ruck entirely. Um, it's not like we haven't had players like, um, oh, I want to say Dean Ryan, but it's not how I want to talk about the, uh, the, 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 the Fijian Sevens uh, coach who won the uh, Rugby World Cup with them in Rio. Um, is it Dean Ryan? I think it is. Anyway, we've had him talking about it and plenty of other people talking about how um, the, the ruck is just a mess for years and nothing that they, that they actually do is really, uh, actually, it's all tinkering rather than actually trying to sort it out properly in one fell swoop. So um, I don't know that that's how World Rugby likes to do it. It likes to slowly change things rather than have, uh, um, tries to get to play to evolve rather than make um, big step changes uh, in how players to make it safer. But uh, I think they're failing in this one um, at all, uh, a lot. So there you go. It's a um, players who can dream... Well, the doctor writes players who contravene law 15.3 and win the ball are praised to the hilt. I'm not, I don't know what law 15.3 is. Um, I'll be honest, that's not that's not within my uh, uh I can't remember that off, know that off the top of my head. So, um, writes, I'm sure you're right, but so yeah, basically, um, not supporting body weight is probably the big one there. That, uh, that's the ball. I was going to say that's really impressive from Nocturnal to um, quote Law fifteen point three. Um, maybe maybe sleep using the uh, law book as a pillow and sleeping with it. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's that's the start of our of, of the um, of the internationals for the weekend, and boy, it does get um, a uh, uh, it does get a lot more complicated uh, after this weekend. So um, obviously, we have the in this current, this current weekend, we have the uh, Tier 1 nations, so um, Italy playing Samoa, uh, Scotland, Fiji, uh, Wales, uh, New Zealand, Ireland, uh, South Africa, or the Ireland Springboks, um, France versus Australia, as you say, a, a tough outing next for Australia, um, and England versus Argentina. Um, a, uh, amongst the sort of uh, key Tier 2 nations, Georgia are playing Uruguay, um, and uh, we also, uh, there's no one of Spain are hosting Tonga there. Um, interesting that Japan does not have a game um, this uh, coming weekend, who are obviously in the rugby uh, at the Rugby World Cup. And then a few other kind of more obscure ones, Cross Keys playing Poland um, on the on the second, followed by uh, Cardiff Met University playing Poland. So Poland having to back up um, just uh, two days later for, for, for two games there. Um uh, Romania playing Chile. We've also got Ireland A versus the All Blacks 15 um, as well. So, um, oh, and uh, Georgia versus, I mentioned Georgia, we go, oh yeah, Namibia are also playing the Grikas um, as well. So, lots and lots of rugby this weekend. We will bring you the results next weekend. Obviously, we will not talk in depth um, or even give you hot takes about every um, single game. Um, but, um, but yes, they shed a load of rugby. And I'm sure none of nobody um, will be uh, able to watch it all. What's, um, what, I was going to say, what, Paul, I was going to say, what game are you look, looking forward to the most of the weekend? 
Oh, cross keys versus Poland, clearly. Oh, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say, whilst here in New Zealand, we'll have a great interest in the uh, Wales All Black All Black game. I will tell you what, that um, Ireland South Africa game, that'll be worth. Um, I reckon that'll be worth staying up for. That'll be worth a look, and that kicks off around about six thirty a.m. Sunday New Zealand time. So definitely worth well, a look. You're, you're, you're a better man than I am if you're going to stay up till 6.30. I might get up early to watch that game. I'm not going to stay up till 6.30 to watch that game. Well, um, well, I, was, well I, was, I was thinking if you're getting up at 4.15 to watch the All Black Wales game. I'll see you coming now. Yeah, yes, you're right. Sorry, you're really that, 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 Yeah, you've got to say, Ireland versus Africa is, is, the, is the key clash of oh, the weekend. Well, um, really I was going to say, you could fill time by watching Romania and Chile until the kickoff of the Ireland and South Africa game, if that rocks your world. Absolutely. Um, the uh, um, and uh, Simon does make points out that yes, we do have the Rugby World Cup 2023 Rugby World Cup um, qualifying games on as well. So this weekend, um, the United States will be taking on Kenya, and Portugal will be taking on Hong Kong. Um, out of those, uh, well, apparently Portugal are coming into this one as favourites, um, but uh, I would have thought the USA. Would uh, would have been favourites in this one, having been at Rugby World Cups recently and having more exposure uh, to, um, uh, to 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 T1 rugby than 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 Portugal gets. Yep. There there is a game that intrigues intrigues me is um, Spain v Tonga. Of course, we can all recall the uh, the Spain national team playing a uh, sort of like past All Black team and quite an entertaining game when that took place. Several several months ago, if, if I recall, if my memory's not too rusty, um, so it'll be interesting to see where their development against uh, uh, still a tier two nation of Tonga, but you know Tonga will no doubt field some very very good uh, some very good players. So it'll just be interesting to see their development. I'll tell you what, there's a lot to get your teeth into. There is a lot to get your teeth into, and we will clearly keep up to speed with the um, the qualifying tournament for the World Cup over the next three weeks, folks, because, uh, as I say, it kicks off with uh, USA, uh, Kenya, Portugal, uh, Hong Kong, then Portugal, Kenya, USA, Hong Kong is round two before what looks like being the decider, the USA versus Portugal um, after Hong Kong versus Kenya in that final round. So, um, yeah, looking, uh, so perhaps I'm I'm, I'm being unfair on uh, Hong Kong and Kenya, um, but as I say, USA, has had a lot more more exposure to to tier one rugby, and Portugal gets to play teams like Romania, uh, Georgia, Spain, um, and those sort of teams on a more regular basis. So they have a better competition um, to get themselves ready for this than yeah. somebody like Hong Kong um, and uh, and Fiji. Um, to it, be uh, to be honest, it's interesting, Paul. It's it's interesting, Paul, talking about the the, the USA. We were talking about uh, oh a little bit today. I, I sort of posted a a number of about thirty odd players, and a good number of them they're heading across to the MLR in the for the uh, upcoming season. And I do wonder if this influx of foreign players is is having more of a negative effect on USA rugby than it is a positive effect. Um. Yeah, that's an interesting point there. But I, I, the to me, it, look, it gives the American players uh, a, a, a better, well, actually, a competition to play in. I mean, it's only 
um, what, three years ago now, I think it is, maybe four, um, that the USA had their first ever full squad of professional players or full-time players. Before that, they always had um, semi-amateur or amateur players included in their, in their, in their squad. So um, MLR should be doing, uh, should, should be good for, for the USA from that point of view. And by having foreign players, that should up the quality of MLR um, to, uh, so to me, when you've got a, a competition that's got what, 11, 12 sort of teams in it, I think it's that, that kind of many, um, that uh, if you're talking um, something more like the Super Rugby or like four or five teams, uh, I can understand where you're coming from. But when you've got some, when you've got that many teams, I think you're going to need those foreign players to get the quality up um, rather than, I don't think at the moment it's blocking players uh, get make all uh, American players from from getting game time. Um, I wouldn't have thought. I could be wrong, but uh, that, that's my uh, that, that, that's my feeling on that one. Um, but I mean, you, I know you have been talking in our our live chat, and so has um, uh, so has Boa in our in our private chat about the number of players um, heading overseas to um, Major League Rugby. I mean, Josh Symes um, from. Uh, Hawks Bay is heading over there um, to Old Glory. Uh, and how do you think it's going to leave Hawks Bay? I mean, they, they lost their head coach last week, last season um, to um, the Force. They've now lost their the who was an assistant coach became head coach um, overseas. So two head coaches lost in two years. Uh, is, this, is this going to be a problem for Hawks Bay? And uh, are, they, are they going to need to, or, or do you think they've got the the coaching pipeline to to to, to, to survive this? Yeah, interesting. Interestingly enough, he's it says in the uh, post that's on uh, Twitter that's the uh, old old glory uh, club that he's actually co coaching for for two years or two or three years over there, which probably means that I don't think he's going to have a lot of time. Usually that season finishes around about June, and I know there's a lot of players that are contracted to MLR who make their way back to New Zealand and they'll probably filter into NPC squads if 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 they're, if they're signed or if they've got some sort of a arrangement. Um, just in just in terms of a a coach that'll take over, I don't, don't know if there's really anybody obvious at the moment. I know there was a fellow who came over from. Uh, Clement, ex-Taranaki uh, First Five, who was part of the coaching staff. And uh, while we're chatting, I'll, I'll basically, uh, I'll, I'll Google him. But um, he's probably the, he's probably the number one contender to take over the, um, to take over the, take over the squad. But um, I will, will say we've also got the likes of George Cornier, uh, former Northland NPC coach, has moved back to the, the Hawks Bay as well. But it wouldn't, wouldn't be a bad sort of side to, to cut your teeth with, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, in Hawks Bay have been heading in the right direction. As long as you can uh, come in and continue that culture, I think you would uh, you could go well. I mean, we've seen what happens uh, like with Bay of Plenty when they brought in our oh, gone blankers to the... Uh, Super Rugby uh, head coach who had been with the uh, the the, uh, the Waratahs, and he came in, uh, had a different defensive setup, didn't follow the same, uh, didn't know the, the the culture, and had an absolute failure this season. Uh, Mike Delaney comes in, who is part of the setup, knows ha has been there whilst uh, Clayton was there. Thank you, Daryl Gibson was the uh, coach. Thank you there, I'm um, Simon. Um, uh, Mike Delaney comes in to replace Daryl. Uh, has the knows the culture, has the history within Bay of Plenty uh, and manages to um, go through and uh, 
uh, managed to get themselves the semi-finals this year um, up against uh, uh, Canterbury. So um, I think it depends on how you come in. These you, you these you do it, success takes time. So if you come in and continue what's being built, you're, I think you're really going to be a good place in Hawke's Bay. If you come in and try and change things, I think you could uh, flop really quite badly. Now, the player I was about to mention is Australian player, actually, um, is Brock James. And uh, back in 2004, he played uh, eight games for Taranaki. But most of his career has been spent in France, where he represented Clermont, uh, uh, Avogen, La Rochelle, Border Bagels, and La Rochelle. Excuse my French there, everybody. But obviously, most of his um, time spent in Europe, and he was on board as the... Uh, he's also had a bit of time at Ospreys as the attack coach, but also time at the Reds Western Force. So he, he's he's actually been around. He's been around the traps, shall we say? There's plenty, plenty of experience there. But um, I, yeah, whether whether he's experienced enough to take over as the the head coach at Hawks Bay, I'm not too sure. Yeah, I'm saying look, and, and if um, Josh was to come back from the US and try and try and try and coach. Uh, NPC. We've seen what a struggle that is with um, our friend down in uh, Southland. Um, I've just um, I've sort of gone blank. Had a great chat with him um, at the end of the season. Go on, Stephen. Remind me, remind me who I'm talking of. I was gonna I was gonna message you, mate. So everybody thought that it came to your mind. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, who has been with the um, Moana Pacifica, uh, but also doing um, uh, but also doing Southland. Uh, and also doing, uh, was it Tonga or Fiji? I can't remember. What, what, one of the Pacific teams. Tonga. Um, Tonga, thank you, yes, uh, that he was involved with. So, um, and he was like, look, it's too much. I can't do the MPC stuff as well. Uh, and I pro probably have to step back from that. And we, we played the interview I had with him where he talked about that uh, um, a few, uh, well, if you have a few, few weeks back now. Um, so, yeah, I think it would be a big ask for Josh, Josh to come back from, uh, to try and juggle that. Um, whereas players, I can see, Going over and playing in the uh, Major League Rugby, coming back and playing um, MPC um, on that one. Um, Simon asks, um, uh, he doesn't see what, what, why is it a major issue um, for it? Well, basically, um, the, the, the thing about MPC uh, head coaching is that, yes, you do have your Super Rugby players and your Major League Rugby players, but they're the sprinkling on top. Uh, and, and where you really make the difference is that depth. Um, by working with the coach, with, with, with your club players um, during the club season, and working with the club coaches to up to, to upskill and improve the level of your club competition um, and your recruitment. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. In that piece and knowing your local players is absolutely key for an NPC coach. So if you're not there for the first six months of the season whilst all those players are playing, um, when you come back, you're in real, real trouble. And that's why I don't think you can do both um, at the same time is because there's quite a lot of work in that off-season with your club players and your clubs. Yeah, I agree, Paul. A lot of a lot of planning goes in, even as an NPC coach, and it's really important um, that the coach is there from the, the, the at least the beginning of the season because you've you've signed. You want to be around to make sure that you're you're getting all your signings correct. Usually, most uh, NPC coaches will sign a majority of their squad after the uh, player reviews have been done, but they will leave the door open for anybody that might be running around or at club level or basically get a get a pinpoint areas that uh, that they need to fill and it may need that they go to market so that's really important that the that the coach wants those particular players to fill the gaps around and uh, the other the other sort of issue is just in and around a lot of those players that are heading away to MLR and listen first I'll be first to say good luck to them because if you go to MLR you can earn anything up to 13k to 45 45k, especially if you're a, a top end player going to the M- MLR. Now we're talking about you're, you're talking US, USD here, right? Not, not, yeah, not we're talk, yeah, we're talking we're talking US US dollars here, but uh, you know that just gives you gives you a bit of an idea. An international can earn between twenty and thirty thousand. You, you know, probably somebody who's of N, NPC level can earn close to to twenty thousand. We are talking US dollars, so you don't blame them for going. But the gap that it does leave. You know, a lot of those guys would be injury cover for Super Rugby, or even they add such good value to their club competitions as well. So all of a sudden, you know, you may not be playing against those quality NPC players around. And like I said, I came up with a list of about 30, 35 odd players. I actually might post that list on our uh, on our website and yeah, let, let, let us know what you think. You know, we're not begrudging those guys heading away to earn a, earn a bit of coin, but it's got to have a, a knock-on effect somewhere along the line. Yeah, this is where um, so I mean, some of the players, I mean, some of the names, uh, Mitch Jacobson, for example, who's been in about the um, uh, the, the the Chiefs squad uh, as part of the wider group there and gets and gets called in quite often. I mean, Luke Campbell um, also um, in there, um, Inga um, Finau from Hawks Bay. Uh, Richard Judd from Wellington, uh, a number of players in there um, who, as you say, uh, not only will it, um, uh, does it hurt the, um, the the club competition, so um, the, I guess, the traditional pathway of players uh, in, into professional rugby in uh, New Zealand. Now that's getting less and less as, as, as academies um, take hold, but still, it's still an important, if you think about players, um, late blooming players like Kurt Eklund, etc., um, have come through because they've got the years of uh, experience through club rugby uh, and they managed to grow into being super rugby players. And um, a lot of people are questioning why he's not with the um, the All Blacks 15 on tour this, uh, this, this month, for example. Um, so those kind of players are going to re- going to find it harder to come through because the club competition is going to drop off and not be as strong um, for, these, uh, for, for, for these kind of things. And also, as you say, that depth... That wider squad um, of uh, players for Super Rugby um, aren't going to be there um, as well, um, and therefore uh, that's going to impact the quality of Super Rugby um, in that one. Christopher has just uh, joined us on. on Hi there, Christopher. Uh, I guess you missed the men's and women's internationals. No, just the men's. Uh, we haven't talked about women's internationals yet at uh, 
at this point. Um, before we do get on to the uh, the men's um, side of, um, um, of uh, sorry, the women's side of things, we should talk about just, I mean, we talked earlier about the impact that Scotland were missing some players from their game uh, and the, Wallaby, the Wallabies have got some some injuries. Um, but um, the the All Blacks now are starting to basically have a lot of players missing. Um, when you, when Sam Kane uh, has gone, um, Sam Whitelock will be captaining now with uh, Bowden Barrett and uh, Arlie Surveyor um, as uh, as vice captains um, for the um, for the rest of the rest of the tour. When you think we've already all your missing players um, like Goodhue, um, you've got Brady Retallick probably missing three games. I think it is um, through his ban, or what, that's kind of what they're expecting him to get banned for for his red card. Um, this is it's, it's 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 been a while since the All Blacks have uh, had to deal with quite so many missing players and injuries. Sure, there's been issues around midfield with both Goodhue and Antonio Brown missing um, on on regular uh, uh, regular times, but the rest of the squad generally has been there. Um, a bit of a uh, um, it's, it's going to be a, a, a good test for the depth of the All Blacks, isn't it, Stephen? Oh, absolutely, no no question. Or what whatsoever, because yeah, you've also got to take into account you know, there's the likes of Quinta Pyre, who's who's out with a with a long term uh, injury injury at the moment. Josh Lord is obviously still on the on on that injury list as as well. Um, you know, losing losing Sam Kane. That's a, you know, there'd probably be a lot of people out there saying, oh well, no, he's an he's an opportunity to play Artie or or Artie in the open on the open side and try another number eight, but. Like, like I say, these guys, you know, it, it's really experience. And I suppose if you could be critical of uh, of the All Black coach, well, the likes of Foster during his time is just the is just the chopping and changing, and that's when he had guys on 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 deck. If you know what I mean, all of a sudden he's actually got guys. He's got genuine genuine injury crisis, and uh, we're just going to have to put some guys out there. But on saying that, hey, it's an opportunity. It's opportunity, yeah, and because he has. Uh, alternated so often he doesn't know all these guys now got a little bit of international experience that he's bringing anyway so uh, it's not as bad and so in some ways you can say he's built depth by doing that um, as, 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 as the counter argument uh, I'm not sure I fully agree with that but I just uh, throw that out there as a, as a, as a counter argument on, um, uh, on on that one um, the, so yeah so it's going to be interesting to see what sides we uh, again um, I guess also we should probably talk about just briefly, um, something came out in the media that um, Schmidt decided that uh, he didn't want to play or he didn't want to coach with um, Robinson because he already said he would coach with Foster and he felt that was a bit... Um, and to be asked to interview or to chat with um, Razor whilst there was already a guy in, in situ, he felt was uh, he was being asked... He felt it was kind of um, morally wrong um, to be doing that and since he said, look, I don't want to... Uh, I, I've, I've said I will coach for someone, so I'm, I want to back him a bit there. So uh, it sounds like Schmidt was the uh, was the kingmaker in the end as to who was going to be the head coach heading into the World Cup. Yeah, very very, very interesting. But I, I I suppose he just didn't want to because if you're, you you I think he initially didn't want to didn't want a part of this role, and all of a sudden he was given that opportunity. And listen, maybe he's hit it off with 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 Ian Foster because you know from what I from what from what I've heard the players Foster's pretty well liked regardless of what everybody else thinks about the guy. So all of a sudden seeming like well you know what I'm gonna I'm gonna 
I'm going to have to leave you, but I'm going to jump the ship and go and work with the other guy. You know, maybe at the end of the day, his, we, we should basically complement his values. I complement his values. And also, again, another question mark for New Zealand Rugby um, um, Management Board who asked him, who put him in this situation. I mean, geez, guys, you're a, you're, you're, you're a mess. Um, and we'll, uh, uh, and yeah, another another question mark over them. Obviously, um, actually, we, we probably should, should talk about last weekend, the clash between the All Blacks and the Black Ferns games as well. Look, um, I'm a great believer in the saying of uh, uh, if you can explain something um, through incompetence rather than conspiracy, incompetence normally wins out. Um, and uh, this, to me, was, again, a this was incompetence by, by New Zealand Rugby, not disrespect, um, which was being thrown around on Twitter. Was it a clever thing to do? No, it wasn't. But it was down to incompetence not down to disrespect for the women's game um, that it happened. So, um, is, is, is I, must, my view on I must admit, Paul, I, I actually changed my stance within the space of, space of a few a few days simply because I I actually thought to myself after originally thinking, "Wow, hang on, this is a mountain out of a molehill. It's on two different platforms. One game starts forty minutes before the other one. You know, you can basically have the both." The, the best of both worlds, if you can basically stream both of them at the same time. But not everybody's fortunate to do <clears throat> to do that. But I suppose at the end of the day, it was all about focus. If you think about when the All Blacks are actually, beg your pardon, playing a home test, they will basically move, they will shuffle the NPC around and basically have an extra game on a Friday. They'll probably play it at, at at five o'clock, five thirty, have your seven o'clock game, and that's to basically make sure all rugby is pretty much done by about six o'clock on a Saturday night. So the full focus is on the All Blacks. So they've actually done it before, and I know there was a bit of word that listen, this schedule was put together by the Japanese rugby union. But for crying out loud, you're hosting a World Cup. You know, at 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 the end of the day, and whilst it's probably you know, there's, there's still an, an, an old school out there who would probably argue that, oh, listen, they'll go out and put 50-odd points on Wales because they've done it before type thing. Why is it worth watching? It's 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 really all about a support mechanism. And the next thing that maybe made me trigger my mind, you know, and you mentioned before all the mistakes that the New Zealand Rugby Football Union has made, the one shining light with all the mistakes that they've made is actually the growth of women's rugby in New Zealand, which is actually propping the game up in a, in a lot of cases, Paul, in terms of numbers, that is. So why wouldn't you basically, to use the Māori word, manaki, or look after that level of the level of the game and give it everything you've got and make it even bigger and better? And Yeah, um, look, I, 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 I get around the, uh, the Farrah Palmer Cup games. I've got around the uh, the, the, the Super Rugby Alpaki games. Um, and look, talking to... Um, so and I'm, I don't claim to be an expert on the women's game, folks. Um, but I, I do get to talk to some people who are part of of that game. Uh, I, I do think they think that there's uh, that, that, it, that it's the, the, the foundations of the game, of the number of club players, number of clubs that have good teams, isn't as strong as is being uh, uh, is, is advertised sometimes, and that more work is, is is still needed there. So yes, it, it is it's heading in the right direction. But I don't think it's heading as quickly as some people would uh, like you to think it is. It is heading there, but so yeah. so. Uh, but you're quite uh, yeah. To me, yeah. This this comes down to incompetence. This comes down to basically the uh, the All Blacks or the All Blacks organisers 
and the Blackburns organizers just not talking to each other um, at uh, using Rugby HQ, uh, and therefore this kind of thing happens. Yes, Japan, it's their home test, they get to organize when the game is, but it's outside of the international window. So you get to negotiate with them and, and set the terms of, um, look, we will come, but uh, we need to be paid X amount, um, is, is, is what the discussion was. But you can also say, we'll come, but it has to be on Friday, uh, and therefore we'll take 100 or 200K less. Um, now, people will say, oh, look, they need all the money they can get. Well, do they? Because they've just gone out and got Silver Lake when PricewaterhouseCoopers said they don't need the money yet. So, um, uh, so, did, so it's a matter of yeah, long-term uh, growth compared to, or as you say, focus and, uh, and nurturing something uh, as opposed to short-term gain. And I say, and to me, it's just incompetence um, as opposed to an actual conspiracy, folks. We, we could have a whole show of uh, and talk about some of the mistakes the rugby union have made. And I'm, I'm not even talking about a decade of mistakes. I'm probably yep. talking, I'm talking pretty much pre-COVID. You know, if you, if, you, if, you, if you wanted to throw in another one, you know, listen, the announcement of the super rugby, rugby teams, listen, there was very little fanfare. Um, you know, there were just media releases here and here and there. You know, you, you just want to give a competition like that a little bit of bit of oomph, even if you ran some sort of uh, comp competition for for your supporters out there about who they think they're gonna, who the full blue squad's gonna be, or who all the five squads are gonna be, who's gonna be your bolter, and you know, just absolutely create a bit of interest. But there was just absolutely nothing. But I, I digress because we are talking the women's game at the minute. Sure, yeah, but let's go back to that one for a second because um, again. You look at what the NBA does with their draft today, or the or the or draft weekend, or what the NFL does their draft weekend, or you look at what um, the Tour de France has done with its uh, announcement of the route for next year. You make a media event of it. Um, now, I'm not saying they have to have a draft, but you can have like, a media event of it. I invite the invite the, all the new caps or the new signed players up on stage and have a quick chat with them, etc. So um, there is there are, yeah, you could definitely make that into much more of a media event. But uh, let's go back to the, uh, the women's game and run through the games from the weekend. Um, look, I think what we've seen here uh, this weekend with the results is I think we could have picked these results um, all well before the weekend. France beating Italy 39-3. to New Zealand beating Wales 55-3. to England beating Australia 41-5. to I think all those were pretty foregone conclusions um, and show you the level that those three teams are above the rest of the world um, at the moment. Canada beat the USA 32-11. Now, I heard some people saying this was going to be the only um, competitive game from this one. But if you think um, that um, Canada beat the USA 29-14 uh, in the pool stages, um, and then also um, earlier um, this year beat um, the USA 36-5 as part of the um, Pacific Four Series, you can see that Canada were going to be the fourth team that would that would go through. So, the four teams that we expect to go to, expected to go through pre previous weekend did, um, and uh, that means we've now got um, semi-finals of Canada versus England and uh, New Zealand versus France. Um, so the um, so on that one, um, the uh, you've, you've got to say England um, will beat uh, Canada and uh, will be going through to the final as we, as was expected pre-tournament. Uh, you've got to you've got to take your hat off to. The Canadian women's team, who has who has done fantastically well to um, uh, to to get this stage comfortably, 
considering that uh, they had to throw out their coaches because of uh, well, uh, the way the coaches were treating the women was was uh, was wrong, um, put bluntly, and they got fired for it. Um, the uh, and the union doesn't have the strength that the New Zealand Rugby Union is. They can't ship in a Wayne Smith uh, and a Dan Carter and a uh, <laughs> and a Mike Cron and a few others to to, to give them. Um, that's um, uh, that that that's uh, what do you call, whatever you call it um, that, that that kind of support. Um, so the Canadian women have done fantastically well um, to get to this 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 point. There will be a third place playoff um, as well. Um, that will be as before uh, the final itself. So it's a double header for the final on the weekend as well. So all these four teams do have two more weekends to go. Yeah, the only the only real gauge we've sort of got with Canada is. Um, in, in round two, they beat Italy by twenty-two points to ten. Very hard to to get a, um, a handle over their victory over Japan, and and of course, um, two similar marginal victories over over the the US USA. I, I would probably suggest that have to be probably at least sort of twenty to thirty percent better to be com- competitive with what was a very good England performance against them. Um, Australia on on Sunday. I, I mean to say the heavens opened in Auckland on on Sunday, especially over Waitakere Stadium. You needed uh, a raincoat, another raincoat, another raincoat, and probably two umbrellas. That's how wet it was at uh, Waitakere Stadium. And the English girls must have had big smiles on their faces when they saw saw the conditions. But on on saying that, it was a pretty impressive performance with a lot of control. Zoe Harrison just playing playing the game the right parts of the field. Although credit to Australia, they did score one very very good try which was probably the the, the 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 try of the game but i don't think the conditions probably helped them did them any favor and once again again canada just basically excuse me absolutely wore, wore the usa down similar to what they've done in, in the first game yeah and um it's going to be interesting then the the semi-finals so canada i say well england are favorites uh are clear favorites in that one uh new zealand um france um, that is uh, oh that 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 is a, a tasty one. Clearly, um, last year um, France got uh, um, a uh, uh, I can't remember if it's one or two good victories um, over the uh, two, um, over the sorry two good victories over the Black Ferns, um, 38-13 and 29-7. Uh, this year, obviously, the uh, the Black Ferns uh, much improved on that, um, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how much improved. They they are since uh, that uh, well that that disastrous um, November tour that they had over to Europe. Um, I think it is a different team, um, and we've seen different captains and various players have been moved on. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they go. But this this to me is is is, is meant to be a cracking game. Uh, listen, I think that the thing that they've got going on the on their side, Paul, I think that togetherness, and I think they've got the country behind them as well, and I think they. They've realised that, and whilst the you know in their first two games they had a few few issues with their scrum when they've switched off, you can just see it's actually got you know much much better again. And even a couple of um, early penalties that they gave away against well against Wales, whilst they were technical penalties, you could pretty much tell that they they had the wood on Wales at scrum time. They've gone gone away and 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 did their work. But you know, I suppose for everybody, what we don't know. You know, thinking back to the women's Six Nations and in, in that was played in, in in Europe, England was still a 40, 50 point better side than what what Wales were back in in that particular competition. Um, 
Um, it's probably one of the reasons I was a little bit disappointed with with Italy, to be poor, to be honest, Paul, because I think they they um, they actually may have they may have actually upset France in the women's Six Nations this year, or maybe went down by a couple of points to France. If 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 I recall, I stand to be stand to be corrected there early, earlier in the season, so I kind of expected a, a little bit better from them. But with regards to the Black Ferns, yeah, it's uh, you can definitely see improvements in their game, but. Boy, against against this French team, this French team has got a um, a very very good pack, and in their halfback Pauline Bourdain, she runs the game pretty well. Also, I think uh, their fullback as well, and her name just escapes me at the, at the minute. Paul, very good player as well. She'll she won't run back as much, but she will basically kick kick for position. Quite happy, she'll be quite happy for the French to go to another uh, another set piece, shall we say. Yeah, it's good. So, uh, Italy beat, sorry, France, just to, to corrections corner, France beat Italy 39-6 in the Six Nations, but they had two warm-up games um, ahead of um, ahead of this tournament uh, where France beat Italy 21-0, but then Italy beat France 26-19 in the return fixture. So, um, you now I think there might have been obviously some rotation in that as uh, as France were do, dealing with their squad, but even so, um, to, to bounce back from that. But I think uh, if you think France beats Wales um, 5-33, so away from home against Wales, um, beat, France, beat, uh, beat Wales by 33 points to 5, um, gives you an idea that, yes, they're, uh, uh, and uh, the, the Blackburns beat Wales 55-3. Um, okay, yes, they put 20 extra points on, but, uh, yeah, it, I say it's it's lining up to be a cracking game uh, between those two. Uh, and that, that's, that, that to me, uh, is, is perhaps game of the weekend ahead of Ireland versus yeah. uh, Springboks even. Um, has, so, has to, uh, yeah, uh, so, I agree. Has, to, on Saturday night, guys. Oh, guys. Sorry to interrupt, Paul. Yeah, it definitely has to be the has the potential to be the to be the game of the tournament. You know, I I think if um, he, here's a chance for Auckland to actually get in behind this this Black Ferns. You know, full credit to 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 Whangarei. They um, you know, two weekends in a row, sixteen thousand turned out for the for the first game, and officially eighteen and a half thousand turned out for the second game, and the the grandstand looked looked way fuller than it was in the in in the first game. So listen, that lot, there was a lot of talk pre tournament about the games being played in this northern region area, but you've got to give big ups to the to the the people of Northland for turning out, Paul. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the Women's Rugby World Cup um, generally is played on uh, sort of two venues or even one venue. Uh, historically, and it's it's uh, it is growing um, to be able to move to more places. They were going to spread it around a bit more around New Zealand, apart from COVID. Then said, look, uh, look from a COVID point of view, it's it's more sensible to keep it in a contained area, um, which is why which is what they ended up with. Um, but it's good. To, look, it, this is a tournament that, that previously would be played, yeah, say on on two two pictures at the same place. Um, so uh, it's good to see that it is, it, it's slowly growing, and it's growing in a sustained way, rather than trying to uh, make it a uh, a, 50, a fifty a fifty team tournament overnight, um, or anything silly like that. Uh, final point, I guess, is the Wallaroos coach after their exit said, uh, "Look, there needs to be a domestic overhaul." Um, and they said they need to play more um, domestic rugby, um, and uh, they, 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 there needs to be an investment to, to allow that to happen. They've had Super W for more years uh, than Super Rugby Opaki has been around for, but it's still uh, amateur players, uh, and it's still. Um, I think it's one game, or, uh, or, or, or well, I'll, I'll, I will check that um, to make sure I'm not uh, um, getting it uh, uh, getting it wrong. Um, but um, 
he says he tries to search for um the uh, super w which i know i have somewhere in my there it is in my uh, uh so yeah super w this year was five rounds um plus the uh, playoffs um so the uh, yeah clearly home and away getting it up to um with six teams there uh, because they have uh, the uh, Fiji and Drua are also involved. Uh, getting that home away up to 10, 10 rounds is kind of what they need to do if they're going to start competing with um, teams like England who have got the uh, the um, the Premier 15s, um, which is, um, uh, I'm trying to find, uh, I, think that, that's, I think that's a 12-team a competition, except Wasps um, have, uh, and I think maybe also perhaps a lot, lost a couple of teams due to uh, financial issues uh, over there. But still, a 22-game season as opposed to a five-game season, your players are going to be much uh, uh, much more ready um, to play uh, at the international level. Um, and so it needs to be uh, – it, it, that, that does need to grow um, as well. This is quite right. And you can't grow that kind of thing. You can't expect them to take uh, two or three months off work um, without paying them because essentially you've, you've, you've got to pay your bills. You've got to put a roof over your head. Making it making it a month you take off is 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 is, is more manageable. I was about to say, Paul. The other issue that um, Australian rugby has is um, the NRL have now now have a women's competition, and you're finding that a lot of uh, some girls that have been involved with the Australian sevens program are actually playing in in that women's NRL competition. So sometimes they're not always getting the best athletes coming across the rugby. So similar similar problem they have in the men's game. And also you've got women's AFL as well, um, which is uh, also uh, going uh, growing fantastic, growing well, um, from my understanding over there. Um, but also a uh, Super Rugby Opaki, again, it needs to be more games. Three rounds of games plus the semi-finals and the final isn't uh, going to prepare you to play England. Right? What we've what we've seen this year is you've uh, you've locked up um, thirty odd players for the year. Uh, made them made, made them full time, and that's that, that's produced a competitive Blackfern's team. The problem is, uh, you can't do that every year <laughs> because that's because uh, you've got to feed into that squad um, and where those players are going to come from. They need to have uh, a, a, a solid competition to get game time in as well. So um, both the, what, what, what I've said about Super Rugby W uh, Super W applies to Super Rugby Opaki, in my opinion, um, as well. Um, I've cut off everything I thought we were going to talk about, Stephen. Any uh, any other final final passing yeah, shot? Yeah, there's just one more thing I, I wanted to add to the list this week in Auckland. Um, the uh, the New Zealand provincial rugby um, um, executives are, have got together in Auckland just to thrash out um, some foreseen issues that they see in the game moving forward. Now, to anybody watching who who doesn't um, follow the um, Bunnings NPC in New Zealand this year, it actually went back to a one-team uh, competition, admittedly with uh, two two splits split sides of the draw. But it seemed like a, a at least it was a competition where whether one one through fourteen could win the uh, Bunnings NPC. But um, at the moment, the balance of the competitive nature or the balance of the competition is actually being being questioned. Um, uh, apparently, leading provinces are, are spending up to 1.8 million a year on their playing squads, while the bottom teams have a player budget between 800 and 900,000. So, a potential salary cap of 1.2 million is not going down too well with those unions that are uh, obviously spending a, a little bit more than 
than, than that. So they obviously haven't uh, <laughs> <Auckland won>. country. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which guys, sorry, quite just quietly. Yeah, um, with a little bit of a cough, he says. Um, so it's meant provinces like Southland would still still get to play crossover games against these bigger unions, but to be part of a competition that's basically resourced at a, at a fair level. And we 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 probably didn't see it. We thought we'd see a lot more of it. You know, at the first round after the first round, we saw some big big blowouts, but sort of in real in reality, they only ended up really being. Probably the turbos. Um, I think he went through the the whole season without without winning. But there there might be more underlying issues with that particular union than just in and around a, a salary cap. Ironically, they're a team that's probably lost the most players to the uh, MRL this year. So there's there's a bit for the the uh, CEOs to thrash out. So hopefully this time next week, Paul, we may have a few uh, unanswered questions to go wow. over in and in and around those those. Uh, meetings that are taking place and we'd love to get some answers but hey that would that involve transparency which um <laughs> wow um so uh, actually well, what we what we will do though okay and i've been playing this for a while i will reach out to the um uh to to, to, to the ceos of provinces that we know about that, that we get on with uh, and see if i can line up some interviews next week after this has all happened so um we'll, we'll look into that but christopher edwards bailey who says look 120k for a team of 30 four thousand dollars a season Mate, you're living in la-la land, mate. That's That just is not um, doable. You can't expect a player to give up 12 weeks, uh, three months for $4,000. You can't put a roof over your head for $4,000 for basically, well, you need three weeks or three months of the season. Um, then you add in uh, another month of pre-season. Um, and then you're working, you've got to be part-time for the rest of the rest of the year to be able to get up to that, quality, get up to that level. You can't expect players to play for $4,000 for for $1,000 a month. That's not even minimum wage, mate. Um, so there's no way that, uh, that that's anywhere near. Um, oh, he's talking about Premier 15s. Okay, thank you for that. So I thought it was about NPC. Um, but um, so yes, pounds, so, pounds, so, pounds. <laughs> yes, pounds. Yes, oh, yes, sorry, I did see yeah, the pound, pound sign. Sorry, mate. Uh, sorry, Christopher. My, my, my dad, you're talking about the, uh, the, the, the Premier 15s over in the UK, over in England. Sorry. Um, uh, so I think he's sick with the current format for the NPC. Um, I would do, I think there's one tweak that it needs. It needs to be one week longer. And get rid of the storm weeks um, because it impacts some teams way heavier than others. Uh, it's too it's it, it's too much of a lottery as to how many injuries you've got, um, and uh, also how many um, uh, and also which teams you happen to pull. If you pull three of the top teams in those three weeks, um, then you're in, in those three games. Sorry, in a storm week, then you're in real trouble. But if your middle if your middle game happens to be against Manawa two turbos, then uh, then it's not much of an issue, um, and and that lottery. And that difference between different teams, it just makes it unfair. So I think you do need to uh, just add an extra week uh, and it will be good um, on that. It, 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 it's, it's quite interesting, Paul, that in the in Heartland Rugby, um, they're quite happy to let loan players come out of, <clears throat> excuse me, some of the some of the, the bigger bigger units. I think they call them heritage heritage players. Um, you know, so it, 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 and in some cases, I've, I've heard a few complaints about it where some of the unions have basically gone a little bit, sort of stretched it out a bit and got two or three players playing from one of the bigger regions. And that's had a, had a huge, huge difference. So I can't see why maybe something similar can be done for the NPC. Uh, Once again, you'll run into that argument from the bigger unions saying, hey, we develop these players. But we also know that these bigger unions have a backlog of, backlog of, backlog of players stuck in, in, in their academies and their developments, development squads who could probably... Once again, if you've got enough talent out there, spread the love. 
Now, one thing that Simon mentions is there that uh, Sky have got the have, have spent all their money on securing the Rugby World Cup um, or with World Rugby for the next uh, however many years. Yeah, they gave they gave World Rugby um, Rugby Pass, which they bought a few years ago. So um, a whole bunch of issues or a bunch of stuff to discuss in there that perhaps will leave to the off season. Um, should your um, uh, yeah, yeah, should your union or should your should, should the administrators also try to be a media a media organisation at the same time? Is that a good idea or not? And we saw that worked really, really well with Rotary Network over in the USA, for example. Um, and uh, Steve was wagging his finger. I thought he was going to say something, but uh, he's <laughs> not in the end in that one, um, which helped to bankrupt the USA Rugby, um, by the way, if you're wondering why, why I'm talking about that. So, yes, yeah, so the Rugby Network over in the USA uh, yeah, managed to um, uh, yeah, get put them in the whole three, five million or whatever it was. Um, I can't remember the exact number, folks, but it was a chunk of, cat, chunk of change um, on that one. Cool. Thank you, Stephen. Great to chat to you again. Um, and uh, folks, we're yes, trying to get back into um, the, uh, what's me call it, I'm uh, uh, the, the routine of being here on a Tuesday night at 8pm. So catch you all next Tuesday. And obviously we've got that um, plethora of international men's action, plus that mouthwatering clash between the Black Ferns and France in the Women's Rugby World Cup uh, to look forward to for us to discuss next week here next, next week on Tuesday at 8pm. And I will be on time. Wow, really? On yes. time. Wow, maybe it'll be on time and like a couple of minutes early just so we can check the uh, your technical sound um, and do a sound check. So thank you, everybody. Um, it's been a blast. Catch you all next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 